That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. I love, I love it. it, Paul. That's great. Frank again. I totally love it. That was Paul from Mac Constructions, Inc. And we've got a really interesting show, Carlito. That's right, Manny. We are going to be talking about a lot of self-leveling concrete. My favorite. You're, yeah, exactly. I love self-levelers. So before we jump into Paul and his story, I just want to ask you guys, Carlito oh, included. Thank you. The term self-leveling was coined by whom and what year uh, i'll give you a hint no card wait a second germans no oh I, I no no i'm sorry you're correct okay i'll give you a hint though you actually love this company ardex yes yes i love, love ardex Ar- and Ardex. I love germany ardex is german right yes that's what i thought that's why i was saying like, yeah, yeah that's right so 1978 Wow. Only in 1978? 78. That's when self-leveling started. They, wow. they coined that phrase and they started it, self-leveling. Well, I think the Egyptians probably really started no, self-leveling. <laughs> well, there's no recorded history to that, okay? <laughs> they were all just about slaves and getting some buildings done. That's all it is. All right. So now today we've got Paul and you're from Mac Constructions, Inc. Yes. And your business is strictly all self-leveling. Yes. Okay. Self-leveling, floor toppings. Floor toppings, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. Tell, I mean, the website is what? www.macconstructions, with an S, inc.com? Yes. At Mac Constructions, Inc. Yes. Perfect. How'd you get started in the business, Paul? Uh, it's sort of a long story. Oh, um, we, got, we got time. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Central Tech. Nice. Another Central uh, Tech? Okay. Yeah, tough school, uh, technical. Yeah, I was actually in plumbing, licensed plumber. I was doing plumbing from about 19 until I got into this business. This product that I do is called Agilia Screed from Lafarge. I love it. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used it. Used it many times. Carlitos used it. Yeah. It's sort of a backstory, but the very first job ever done in Canada was Mant's basement. And I did the plumbing there. And my aunt was doing in-floor heating and she's like, could you do in-flooring for me? And I said, oh, I never did it before, but sure. So I did the in-floor heating. She worked at a place that sold in-floor heating stuff, like Upinor stuff. I did the heating, and then, anyways, Lafarge and these other guys that, were, that they kind of teamed up with back then came to pour this basement. I met these guys, and now I'm here. Wow, that must have been like <laughs> over 15 years ago then. I started uh, 13 years ago. The product came to Canada 14 years ago, and I, I got into it. With you did the first job. So you are, you're a master l- plumber, licensed plumber. Yeah, licensed plumber, yeah. And you did the one job, and all of a sudden you just decided to leave plumbing and get into this. No, it didn't happen that quick. Okay. I, I, these guys, uh, they, they lived close to me, the ones that came and started doing this with Lafarge. And I became friends with them, and then I was on my own doing plumbing. Wasn't that busy. Like, I was just starting out. And they were like, why don't you come and, and give us a hand on some jobs? So I did. And then they were like, you know, you should take this more serious. So I started to. And then I went to the bank and I got a loan and I bought like sort of like a franchise, I'll call it. <laughs> That's how I got into it. So I, I did do plumbing in the beginning to kind of substitute what I wasn't doing in pores. It wasn't always like how busy as we are now. So yeah. in the beginning, we were just kind of like doing a pour every two weeks and I was doing plumbing for and then then I slowly just kept building it up building it up building it up and started dropping plumbing customers until about maybe 
I would say seven, eight years ago. So uh, this was a 2005 that this started, 2006? Uh, uh, 2007 is when I got involved. I got involved. And yeah. I was with Lafarge with a Geely Screed. Yes. How much different was the product then? Because I know that's when, Carlito, you used it on the show. Yeah, we used it on the show all the time. Okay. Because one of the biggest failures with houses is basement floors are still being done with old school techniques where everything's pitched to the drain. But we're not using basements like we used to. So now we want self-leveled or we want leveled foundation floors. People just don't do that properly, right? Yeah. Your business, Paul, primarily was basements or was it still on the main floor and the other floors? In, in you mean now or back then? No, back then. What was the original where they were trying to get into the market? Uh, it was kind of the same what I'm doing now. We focus on rain floor heating. Okay. The in-floor heating is big for us. I do do a lot of basement leveling and I, and I did back then, but now I would say that most of my jobs is custom homes or custom renovations, in-floor heating. And how many jobs were you doing back then when you were just getting started? Because I can't imagine that many homeowners signing off on something that was twice, three times the cost of it's a normal heating system. All right, yeah. I'm talking about the whole mechanical part of it as well. Uh, I would say in the beginning, first year, I probably did about 12 jobs, like one a month. So it was strictly that, a hobby at that time. Yeah, well, I mean, I had the plumbing. Yeah. And I could kind of just do this whenever it came up. You know, I was pushing for it. I was out there, you know, going door to door and when I had time, but I was getting busier doing the plumbing at that time too. So like I was busy, but slowly but surely it was, you know, one a month to two a month to, you know, this week, we just, we did we eight this week. So you've done eight this week. Yeah. Eight this week. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> you know what? It's great to hear that people are using this product when you're pouring a concrete floor you need to go on that floor at least three or four times you can't do it in one swipe like when you pour a concrete floor you pour it you're somewhat leveling it with a laser if you're that kind of guy and then you got to come back every two hours and you got to get on your hands and knees you got to helicopter it you got to float it and you do that three or four times 10 12 hours for a normal concrete you're just coming in with this product through a, do you use a pump? Oh yeah, we have three pumps. Yeah. Uh, what size? The the hose is two inch. Nice. Yeah. So, and so you come in, you pump it, and you're done in an hour. And you can reach yeah. as far as what? Like I think you mentioned to me before, three hundred feet or something. Uh, the highest that I've pumped personally is about fourteen stories. Wow. Fourteen. Yeah, and it was it was easy. I could have gone higher easily. The farthest I've gone is about three hundred and fifty feet on a job at uh, the old. Scarborough City Hall. It was last, oh, sorry, two summers ago this year. And uh, we had to go right into the building and you couldn't get close. Like you just couldn't get close. So we had to run this hose like down where the fountain is and up around. Like it was crazy. Wow. So, like our pumps have good capacity. They could pump high and they could pump far. And the products, it's very liquid. Back in the early days, was it always the truck and the pump? No, you guys were mixing the product? No, no, that would be like some of the other, other products. Okay. It's always been coming in a concrete truck from Lafarge or Intercon. Got it. Yeah. You've never, so I guess primarily, but you've only ever done Lafarge or you've done other products as well? I've only done this. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because I know other companies, they're, they're offering our decks or the guys will do themselves and they'll yeah. mix bags. And I, I know other companies approach me as well too. 10 skids of bags and you got to mix everything. I was going, I'm not mixing this stuff. This is insane, man. I'd rather have it coming in a truck. Oh yeah. They approach me too. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. And some of our competitors also do like a, a wide variety of products, but we just stick to the agility screen. There's never been an issue with it. I mean, that product actually, where's it come from? 
originally Germany. Germany, okay. Yeah, but now they have local sources for the binder. But the idea itself came from them, and then they just brought it over here, and then yeah. I guess more and more people are, are using radiant floor heating. Yeah, and I have a lot of jobs that aren't radiant floor heating, that are just floor leveling as well. So we do like a lot of basement leveling in, in residential, but when it comes to commercial, you know, precast toppings, we have a big site coming up that's all precast. Nice. So it could be thin. It could be like from, from 10 mil to 2 inch, let's say. You can get that thin, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it won't crack. No, if you're going bonded to concrete, you can go as thin as you can finish it. Wow. Yeah, so like I can get down to 3 eighths easily. I mean, and that's in a large amount too, right? Like, So I think a lot of people need to understand that when you're using Lafarge, you're talking about a solid thick floor, like a few inches thick. Not necessarily. You could put it on plywood. So like, yeah, it could be yeah. anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, most of our jobs would be inch and a half, like standard job would be inch and a half over plywood, over radiant. That gives you, what, a half inch to three quarter over the amount of the highest point of the radiant tube? Yeah, the tube is five eighths on the outside, so we'll say 15 millimeters. I'm okay. usually targeting 40 mil. Got it. So I'm an inch on top, 25 mil. That's the top. But sometimes you have to be a little bit thinner in some spots. Sometimes you're going to be thicker. Obviously, the floors are never going to be bang on. Most of the new homes I see are you know, up and down. So. Yeah, of course. But the idea of self-leveling and having that radiant floor heating is that you want that mass of that material because that mass is what's going to heat up to give you the heat. Yeah. Right? So if you go too thin, then you're not really getting the mass, are you? No, but sometimes it just depends on the situation. Like we always want to target inch and a half, but you have fixed points. you got staircases, you got windows and so on. So like let's just say that's your fixed point and the subfloor over here is going up. So you got to be thin over there or you got to make it unlevel. Of and course. I'd rather make it level and be like, you know, one and a quarter or something in some spots. Like Paul was one of the first guys that he was telling me that you, you laser every room. Uh, every, yeah, you have to. Like a lot of guys don't do that. They kind of live off the idea that this is a self, self. They really take that self word way too much. Like it's self-leveling to a point, but you yeah, still you're have right. to. You're totally right. You have to use a laser. You have to double check on it. You have to work it a lot and you have to work it fast. Not so fast with our product because our product has a, a long shelf life. So I got six hours. You got six hours from the time you actually put it on the floor. Well, that's six hours from the time it leaves the yard. Okay. But I've pushed it. Like I just did a couple of jobs up in Bruce Peninsula. So it was a three hour drive for the truck. Wow. So you're already losing your window. Yeah. But like I didn't have an issue at all on, on the site. Not, not an issue. I know. Cause I know that you poured for me and I was like surprised at how quickly you did it. We slowed you down just for the shooting of it, yeah. right? And you would have been faster if we didn't have cameras, right? So that yeah. was actually pretty impressive. And then there isn't that much of a factor when it comes to weather. You know what I mean? As long as the house is in a stable temp. Well, yes. there is. Because uh, one time on the show, we wanted to have a delivery first thing in the morning. Because you want to have your concrete delivered first thing so it doesn't sit in that hopper getting hot and starting to like, you know, the chemicals starting to set. So I think that they showed up a little bit after 12. It was about 1230, middle of summer. It was hot out. And we got our two-inch line, ran it to the basement. We started pumping it. And uh, me and the big man were on the tools. And I was buttering up the agilia. And all of a sudden, I started seeing it get hard. We learned from that is don't let it sit in that truck very long or it can set up. So the thing is, there's agilia concrete. And there's a Julia Screed, and that's probably a Julia Concrete. And so there's get, two there's, different products. There's two different products, yeah. So the Julia Concrete is actually concrete that they call self-leveling, 
which is not, it's not, but it's finished the same way with the bars. So I think you're probably talking about that because the heat doesn't affect our product. Wow. Not okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Cause I did notice when you poured, it was actually really warm. Oh, they're heating the aggregate and they're using hot water. Oh, they're using hot water. Yeah. That's really it, huh? Yeah. It needs in the winter time, it needs to come to the job site above 20 degrees. If it doesn't, it's not going to kill me, but it'll keep that fluidity longer. Okay. If it comes cold, it starts to kind of, I'm not saying go off, but it starts to thicken quicker. So it's very important that they use the hot water. I'm paying for the hot water, so they better be using it. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through the whole procedure, because I know the way we met is that you literally did what, what Andrew did. Like we had a kid in here. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's a kid to us. He was saying that he would hustle and just go to job sites and go to divisions and just knock on the door and go, hey, listen, you need a carpenter? So you just walked right into, left your card on my job site. I contacted you. I was, it was just by luck that I, I was in the process of hunting down who's going to do the self-leveling. Yep. I've never done it before. And then you just walked me through and I liked what you had to say. So why don't you walk us through the whole procedure from the time that you get on the job site and you're talking to a GC or you're talking to a homeowner? Let's just, if you call me or you get my number from someone or I stop by, whatever the case is. I want to see the job. It's important that I see the job. And people always say to me, what do you going to see the job for? It's level. It's brand new. <laughs> yeah, <And> right. <laughs> I, I saw a job this week down in Ronsonville, and the guy's like, no, it's level. And I went there, and it actually was excellent. It, okay. was, a, it was a reno, and he redid it. But the guy's a framer by trades his own house. Most of the time, a house would be up and down one inch. Yeah, you're saying right. much? Yes, from one end to the other end. Or just from some point to some point, from high to low, brand new house. I would say one inch is very common. I saw one last week that was one and a half. A new home? Brand new. Brand new home. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a laser or they didn't have a level? I have no idea. They so didn't care. I need to see these jobs because there's important spots in the home that need to be a certain measurement. And the sooner I get in, the sooner I can point at someone, hey, listen, just so you know, I'm not going to be one and a half at your staircase. I'm going to be two and a quarter because I need to start over here at one and a quarter and it's at a level. So I want to go see the job as early as I can to, to figure out the windows and the stairs and you know, maybe the toilet flanges and other things. But the windows and the stairs are the killer. When I show up to a job and I see a staircase installed, I'm like, oh God. A brand new staircase. Yeah, brand new staircase. Because I'm like, they just assume inch and a half and it's usually in the middle of the house and it usually sags there. And then it caused me problems. And I care. I'm going to be like, I, I'm going to tell the customer, listen, this is only inch and a half here. And over here, it's going to be too thin. Oh, cheat it. And this and that. And it's like. You can't, though. I can. But I mean, then all of a sudden, the tile guy's going to come back. This floor's not level. I tried warning the customer or the homeowner. And so I try, not, I try to avoid those situations if I can or just make it very clear. This is what it's going to be. So I like to get in the job early. Check it out. Firm price. We're on the same page. I don't like to just show up and do a pour. And, you know, even if I have customers I've been doing work for 10 years who say, just, get, just go up and do it. No, no, I want to have the price on paper. And then when we go to the job, we usually put it on plastic. So on a standard job, like I know that job we did with you, we did the Schluter and, and the Sauron yeah. Pro is a little bit different. But on a standard job, we could put down six mile poly on the floor, tape the joints. We put a gasket in all the walls. This would be like, for, like a wood frame. What then, size gasket was, was that? It's a quarter inch, four inch high, quarter inch thick. Is that so the slab doesn't crack? No, it's just to, to keep it. So this product's installed floating. It, I don't want to be bonded to wood, especially. So even if there was no rain floor heating, I'd put down plastic. So I put the plastic down, put the gasket in the walls, taped the joints, 
wrap up the toilet flanges, wrap up the pipes, tape everything. So we're essentially totally floating from the, from the structure. So it's moving independently. Nice. It's, it looks like the standard half inch gasket you'd see at four inch side, but it's half the thickness. It's, it's a quarter inch. So that goes on all the walls. And then the heating guy would come in and lay his tubing down. And then we come back and pour. And then we come back and sand it as well. Yeah, you got to do that final sanding because yes. it depends on what you're going to put down. If you are going to put Detra down or if you're going to put a glue down. Most of the time you're gluing down hardwood. Yeah. But you're it. sanding because of the fiber? No, there's no fiber. Okay. The, the sanding is because of all the water in the product. It rises to the top and it leaves a layer Creamy. called late latents. Yeah. That's like the term for it. So that latent sometimes is very flaky. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the weather and the mix and how fast we're on it. And it, it just, every job's a little bit different, but we sand every job. Unless they're putting, unless it's like a basement runner and they're putting down floating laminate, yep. it doesn't matter. But if you're going to glue anything to it or stick anything to it, it should be sanded to make sure that that latent is removed. If it's flaky, sometimes I go to a job and I'm doing it and if nothing's coming off. You're sanding it with what? What are you using? Just a floor a, maintainer. That's all it is, right? You're, you're just getting the curse off. That's all you're doing, right? Yeah, it's just like that crusty kind of. Well, yeah. tile guys must love you because how many jobs do you go to and you see a concrete floor and an amateur tile setter will just think, oh, I can just lay on that concrete floor and you can't because there's a skin built up on there and nothing will adhere to it. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing that you're doing that on through the whole job. I think that everybody doing any topping should be sanding their floor and no, nobody does. Wow. They should be prepping. They should be opening the pores. They should be uh, priming yeah. it. They should be figuring it out. And we had to do that as well, too. Like, I got Mapay in there, and we did priming. We did a test. and Because mm -hmm. I know that a Geely Screed, Love Hearts, doesn't, you know, they don't go past the point of their product to adhere the finished product. So you've got a finished product that has specifications on it, and then you have to use something to adhere that product. But that something has to work with the base product. With us, what you did with us is you first suggested the Sonopan, which was a great idea to actually add for soundproofing. So so go through that with me, please. So the Sonopan is basically what? A, a eighth inch, two mil thick felt material yep. product that basically, again, decoupling the pro, your, the Lafarge from the substrate, right? So you're not connecting the cement. So it's a floating floor It's now. a floating floor, but it has a sound cushion on it. It's the hard sounds, right? So we're talking, yeah. there's two different types of sounds when you walk on a floor. You have those high heel yep. hard sounds, yeah, right? Or the construction boots hard sounds. And then you've got the atmospheric sounds, people talking and music playing or whatever, right? This material doesn't address people talking. It just addresses hard knocks on the floor. Wow. It cushions fantastic. down. So the, What's it, it called? Sonopan. Okay. Sonopro. So, sorry, Sonopro. It's yep. called Sonopro. And it's not that expensive. Like, I mean, when you quoted it out, I was like, that's not really crazy money for it, yeah, right? I'm doing a lot of it. A lot of people are out here, right? A lot of build. I have one builder that's every house now, and he's building monster homes, and every house he wants the Sono Pro because he loves the way he walks in the house, and he's like, this is amazing. No it's echo. so solid. It deadens wow. it. Like, yeah. it just, it has a nice tone to so it. So, is that stapled down? No, no staples. It's completely floating. You don't, want, you don't want to connect it to the floor below. Wow. So that's the thing. With your job, we had the Schluter, right? So we put the Son the Sonar Pro and the Schluter on top, and the tubing goes into the Schluter. Yes. But the Schluter, it has a cost, and of some course. people don't want to spend that much money. So what we do is we put down wire mesh. We tape the wire mesh down. So we put the Sonar Pro down, tape the joints, put the mesh down, and we tape the wire mesh down. And then the heating guy comes and zip ties all the tubing to the wire mesh, 
so that nothing will flow. Now, can I talk to you a, a little bit about the styrofoam versus the chicken wire? Well, um, that's what I was just going to say is that there was two reasons why we used the Schluter Becotec, which is the foam product, right? There's an R value there, right? No, no, it's got nothing to do with okay. R value, right? It's just, it interlocks to itself. It has its own foam gasket that actually ties into itself. So there's an adhesive underneath it that ties underneath the foam tray. And then there's adhesive on the back end of it for the wall. So, so there's two parts to that foam perimeter. Then the other idea was that to avoid adding more structural sistering, it reduced the amount of weight on the floor because of the foam component. So there was less concrete agility screed used. Wow. Just enough for the radiant purposes of it, mechanically speaking, but it reduced the weight. So then we only had to sister so much of it. Otherwise, you would have to sister a lot more or structurally do it a certain way. So this was all predetermined. I know, but the there beginning. has to be some kind of R value or some kind of reflective there, there quality. Is. A, a R, tiny bit. It's I like mean, R, R1 or 2 or yeah. something. Yeah. It's no much. different than, I guess, shiplap. Rigid polystyrene. I know, but I, I feel a massive difference in the showers with Schluter pans. I know we're, this isn't a Schluter commercial, but like basically when I go into a shower pan that's styrofoam, I feel it's warmer or cozier than it would be just on concrete. So that's why I was asking because I, well, I haven't used this system yet. There's so. lots of product. Like, I mean, uh, Amvic, they have a product too, right? Everybody has one. Everybody's doing it now, Upinor right? has one. Upinor has a product now, a foam one? They have, uh, they have two. They have, it's called Quick Track, and they have one that's like a glue down. Okay. It's for thinner applications, and they have one that has insulation. It's very similar to the Bakotech. There's, there's, I would say, at least a dozen. The only thing that I've heard from some mechanical guys is that if they don't use a foam connecting pattern product like that, and they just staple the lines down, over time with the heat and cold of the lines, the staple gets worn out or it digs into the actual tube. I don't know to what extent if you're using cheap tubing and maybe it does, I don't know, but that's what I've heard the thread is. I've never heard that, but I, I do notice a difference on jobs between like, for example, one of the jobs we did say the tubing was very, like the staples they used with the gun, it wasn't very tight. No, it was very As loose. As opposed to the one I did in the morning, it was tight. Like it was, those staples were. Isn't the idea to not make it so tight because when it gets hot, yeah. it's going to expand? And I, then, I would think so, yeah. I mean, it, it's also encased in the concrete, in the Geely screed, right? Yeah. So I know that I've used wafer screws before, stainless steel wafer screws to, to put chicken wire down, lath wire. I've also used special staples that aren't just, you know, T50 staples that you're just going to staple down like vapor barrier. So it's going to be a more industrial staple, a little thicker and stronger. Um, that makes a huge difference. I was always taught to go tight. When you actually hit it with your finger, it doesn't go think, think, think. It's tight. I was always told to do that. So uh, what are the pros and cons to that? You, do you actually believe that or is it just your theory? Uh, to be honest, I mean, as long as the pipes don't float, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, you don't want them popping up. Yeah, I mean, I do show up to a lot of jobs where I have to add a lot of clips. I always roll with a thousand clips on me. The hammer, the talon <laughs> ones, the ones you hammer in. Because, you know, you see all kinds of different workmanship. Uh, today was a good day. We, we did two large jobs, and we have to add one clip to either job, which is amazing. Sometimes I go, I have to add 500 clips. That's not cheap. Well, the HVAC guys didn't do their job then. Yeah. And then you have to do their job. That's not fair. But it's not, but you know what? It's the industry. The thing is, if the truck's on their way, like, what are we going to do? Yeah, you, you, you're, on a, you're on a clock. We're going to call the guy and say, like, I called the builder because no one's there. I called the builder. 
oh, okay. And he'll call the guy and he'll show up there three hours later. It's like my truck. So no, I just, we just roll with the punches and we add them as we go. And it could add up, but the, they're pretty cheap. Those clips are like six, seven cents each. So I mean, if we have to it's add a time hundred, though, just to get it done, right? It does suck, but it's just part of the, it's just, I've just accepted it. It's just part of the deal. So what's your perfect system? What products do you like to use right across the board from the beginning to the end if you have a choice? Well, obviously a Julius Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean right from um, the felt. Or uh, I mean, I, I mainly, oh, well, I shouldn't say mainly, I only use Sauna Pro for the sound mat. I have used a couple other ones and I had some issues with them. Not with the sound uh, like numbers, but with the install or leaks and they weren't waterproof and how they install and so on. So I really like the Sauna Pro. Other than that, I'm six mil poly. Like we just use six mil poly like crazy, and we do bond, uh, jobs that are bonded to concrete. We're using uh, Primerel Mapai. Yeah, it works I'm, really well. It's I'm really spraying strong. that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. crazy. I, I, if we have any jobs bonded, it's Primerel. Like we just did a job on t uh, Monday, a basement. So this builder loves our work. He purposely left it about an inch, inch and a quarter low from where he wanted to be, so we could come in and just put the topping down. It was bonded. Like they left the concrete nice and rough. Went in there, sprayed the primer. It was done. And that's it. Pouring he it. had that radiant as well? That was radiant, yeah. So he just wanted you to make sure it's perfect instead of dealing with the concrete guys because they'll never get it perfect, perfect. Yeah. That's kind of smart. What it, I mean, you're, you're mostly custom rentals, right? You do some commercial work nowadays. We do some commercial work. I would say we probably do 80% residential. How many guys on the crew now? Like, you, Are you growing or are you still the same amount of guys? No, we've grown. We've grown. We've got, let's say, myself. I have a partner. And two to three guys. One's part-time, and the other two guys are full-time. And then the clientele. I mean, what kind of people are, are we just strictly talking, this is mostly the upper middle class, kind of high-end? I guess because of the whole HVAC side. It's still two times the cost of doing a regular forced air system. We have customers, you name it. We have customers from the bridal path all the way down to some guy that's renovating his own basement, and it's at a level. So it really, it really varies. I find it interesting that most people, when you talk about Radiant, their first go-to, like I'm talking about clients, their first go-to is just to do the basement. And I keep thinking, why not just do the rest of the house? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense? Like, you don't agree, Carlito? Like, no, to, I mean, you're totally right. It's, I mean, but how many people actually want to spend that kind of money in that? They would rather spend their money on a fridge or a freezer. Start, or start telling them how much, how much more comfortable the radiance going to be for your kids, for your family with COVID going on right now and everybody's home. And I mean, we're lucky that we're at the tail end of winter, but if this wasn't the dead of winter and everybody was home, I mean, you probably appreciate that you spent the extra money on radiant and did self leveling, all that stuff. I, I think there's a couple of things we, if we're going to talk about self, like for radiant heat, you know, nothing is better feeling than going through your feet and warming your bones from the feet up. I mean, when you have a forced air, I mean, I love forced air. It's never heating my feet. That's the problem. And then, you know, so you said something really important. And we're talking about mass here. So any kind of concrete that's there is going to have mass energy. And yeah. that's going to retain itself and slowly dissipate throughout the, the few hours or however you're circumstances are with your doors and windows right paul you ever had to um come back in and fix or something was not properly set up or anything like that no i would say maybe once a year i have a job where there's a spot every, you know, we're human there's a spot that's a little bit high or something like that it's it has to be grinded down a quarter inch 
I have a guy that does it for me. He comes in. I have a grinder, but it's not really my forte. He's, he does a really good job. So if I have a spot, I just did a, a job for a really picky builder. Like I'm talking pickiest builder ever. Like champagne poppy picky or what? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And he's going around. He's got spots that are marked on the floor like eighth, eighth, sixteenth. I said, buddy, I'm not. I love this guy. I said, I'm not. I'm not grinding one sixteenth. Like, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. Why so, was he so particular? What was he using to level everything to make sure that it was? It was a really, really high end home. Like, really, really twenty thousand square foot. Really high end, top of the top. He wanted everything to be perfect, which I don't blame him. He's paying for that, but of like. Course. There are tolerances, and we were definitely within the tolerance. There was not like an issue like it was at a level, but there was a couple spots, and well, we just, you know what? When someone calls me as a problem, I'm there. That's important. That you you got to be there. You got to yeah. take care of it. Even if you don't agree with it, you got to take care of it. So we were there on a Saturday. Grinding away, making it happy. Yeah. One eighth. So One what? Eighth. Is, so what is the forgiveness? A quarter inch? No. Is I, it really? Listen, in tiles... The lip is a quarter inch or anything that a, a coin can't hit. What are you about? Really? Yeah. I've, in commercial and like in residential, it's if you can slide a loony across the floor and it doesn't, it doesn't stop or like flip over, then that's a pass. In commercial, there's up to a quarter inch. For my tolerance, you mean? Or yeah, just I'm, I'm asking about self-leveling tolerance. Oh, I, we try. Okay. We're, we always talk in millimeters. We try to get it within three mil. Wow, that's which so is an that's, that's an eighth. That's an eighth of an inch. Yeah, five mil is not so bad. Anything above five mil to me is like, oh boy, like that's you know. Like, but you, you're talking about from the front of a house to the back of the house within yeah, that like three all, mil, like all these spots. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's yeah, it's sixty feet by sixty. Let's just say like sixty feet by sixty feet. You're yeah. out an eighth. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's still great. I know. Oh, that's amazing. Like this guy was being really, really over the top, but whatever. How was the framing before you actually did the job? How off was the framing or was it bang on as well? Way more than an eighth. (laughs) Way Way more than an eighth. Not (laughs) even close, but it wasn't bad for the size of the house. Yeah. The bigger the house, you're usually going to see more, you know, you know, it's going to be up and down more. What was he putting on top of that, that? Was he so critical? Because it was a certain it was kind like of like big marble slabs. Yeah, so that's why. Slabs. So there is no, there isn't much forgiveness because no. it could crack if it is off. And like the bigger the slab, the more the truer and level the floor's got to be. Yeah. You know, if you're having like some sort of small tile, you can kind of play with it, right? So I could see why it had to be like that. But when he started writing down spots that were one sixteenth, I was like, buddy, like, what, was he using a laser or a level? He was using a laser, but it was like one of those wall ones. It wasn't like a like a, it a wasn't proper. Good, it wasn't as good as ours. And some of the spots I was disputing, I'm like, buddy, this is wrong. Like, look at this. I'm using my laser. It's calibrated. It's you know, so but got to keep the customer happy. That's it. Speaking of lasers, I think is yours a Hilti? Oh, here it goes. <laughs> it's, it's a Hilti, right? So no, we recently switched to Hilti. Oh, oh, hi. Yeah. Now you're talking my language. Carlito's a healthy guy. <laughs> uh, why? Why did you switch it up? I had Leica, like a really good brand. Yeah. The place that I was taking it to to get it fixed charged a lot of money to do the... do the Calibrate. Yeah. Calibrate and yeah. so on. The mall that I had was reasonably priced. It's green, so I could, see it, I could see it much easier. And then that mall just continued, and the new one was a lot more money, like substantial, like $500 more, which is quite a bit. So then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm into the, I'm 
into or more than the Hilti price. So I'm going to go check out the Hilti. So I went down to the Hilti store on, on, over here in Kipling. And I liked... My store too. <laughs> I liked what they were telling me about the unit because I got two calibrations for free when I bought it, which was cool. The calibration was like 60 bucks as opposed to 250 Wow. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out. So it's been good. And the other thing too is that I always check the lasers to make sure they're calibrated. I don't calibrate them myself, but I can tell if they're off. The Leica has been good. The Hilti's one has been amazing. And I did have another brand. I don't even know the name. It's not Stabilia, but it is yellow and black. It's a oh, little... wait a second. You no, know. it's not. It's, it wouldn't be. That's, that would be a joke right there. That's a punchline if it was DeWalt, right? No, yeah. no, it's not DeWalt. Yeah. No, 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 no. Those ones there, I found that they kept on going off too often. Like they weren't built as sturdy. So the Hilti one's like showing on the ad, like this guy's dropping it and it's fine still. So I said, okay, I'm going to try it out. So, so far I bought one. I really liked it. So I bought another one. So I'm on my second one. Well, you always had to have two just in case if something happens. Oh yeah. I, I roll with two. My partner rolls with two. So yeah. we always have four with us if yeah. we're together. On an average day, let's say we, we have two smaller pours and two preps. We'll split up. I'll go cool. do one. He'll go do one. So I have two ladies with me. Two, because it's good to have two when you pour. But just in case one, you know. How's this whole uh, COVID thing been for you? Has it been paying the ass? Or you're the only ones on the site anyway when you're doing your job. In terms of business, it's been crazy. And I know it's eventually going to probably slow a little bit or whatever, but it's it's been nuts. Like the last <laughs> month has That's been... That's so good to hear. It's been crazy. My phone hasn't stopped ringing. I, I thought... When this whole thing came up, okay, no one's going to call me for jobs. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. I'm just getting calls like left, right, and center. For like new jobs, people just call me up. They're not even saying like, hey, are you working or whatever. They're just like, hey, it's Jim and I have a job over here. Come meet me tomorrow. It's interesting, Like man. business as usual. And like you said, we're, we're the only guys on site, usually, when we're pouring for sure. Well, when you get there and you measure, that's a different story. Things are still going on a little yeah. bit. But uh, ideally, when you get on site, when you're, it's your turn to get the bat... You're the only ones on site. Yeah, like today, like we did a big job in Waterloo. There were some guys doing stucco in the back of the house or something, so they weren't close to us. It was just the four of us. The second job we did, there was some guys working in the basement, but they had a door to go up the back, so it hasn't really affected us at all. I mean, it's affected us where people are slowing their jobs down. Oh, it was going to be ready next week. Now it's not ready because it's only one trade at a time and yep. so on, but it is what it is. Traffic's been great for the city. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen really, like I keep hearing all this propaganda about it slowing down, but everybody I know is still working. No, no it's it's slowing down. Well, I guess, I guess it's just a, my my friends that are working that, are doing well, I guess, or they have so many contracts that it's not really slowing them down for months to come. Paul, your business has basically grown every year since you got started every in this, year. right? Every right, single right? year. Right. And there's yeah. no, and I, I like that there's more and more clientele that are wanting to do this system because it's, I personally think it's better. It's just an expensive ticketed item. Just like mm -hmm. when we were talking with Jim, you know, if the client can, he goes, sometimes we do the basements only and then we leave the other floors alone. You know, when you're setting up the mechanical, it kind of makes sense. You're already setting up a boiler. You're setting up the return. You're setting up the manifold for the basement. Why not just do it for the other two floors? But I guess it gets expensive at that point. I think things are changing now, but at always it hasn't been like this for a long time, right? Like yeah. More people are doing radiant now than ever. More people are doing radiant than ever, for sure. And just in general, I have some builders that were, like I just mentioned, the one for that basement, who are bringing us in. We're not needed there. Like he could just get a, the concrete guys to do a floor, but they're bringing us in to do that. And I have other ones that do the upper floors, no topping. 
or sorry, no rating than me. And we come in and just pour the floors because they like how we leave it. They like, they know the frame is going to be a little bit off, especially with the Sauna Pro. They like the sound qualities that I didn't get from the sound benefits from the, from the Sauna Pro and our pores. So we do some jobs where there's no rating for heating. We're pouring the first and second floor. It's so different from what I do. My business is completely different than yours. You're getting most of your business for radiant flooring. Most of the business I get is for tile setters or somebody that already started framing their basement and then they realized that the floor is out an inch and a half, sometimes yeah. around old drains, three inches out. And I'm like, when, where did this, when did this floor get poured? And they're like, oh, I just had it poured. And I'm like, three inches from the drain. You know, like this is huge, right? And now the guys have already framed up. You know, they spent say seven to nine thousand dollars to get a, a concrete floor poured. It's not level. And yeah. then they have to pay someone like me saying depends on the product I use. Like if I use Ardex on a thousand square foot a floor, it could be ten thousand just for the product. Oh, I know. And and that's with my discount. If it wasn't with my discount, it could be twenty thousand dollars for self-leveling. I know other guys that don't want to use self-leveling and they do sand packs to try to save money. What do you think about sand packs? Sand packs? What do you mean by sand? Dry pack? packing. Oh, dry pack. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Not really. You can do a whole basement in, with a dry pack. <sighs> he can do a whole house. He oh, can do 3,500 square no, I'm just, feet I'm in just two feeling hours. Him out. I'm just feeling him out, kind of seeing what, what directions and experience. I mean, I've never done dry pack. I've only seen it done. I would say our product's superior in terms of quality and performance and ease of application yeah. and so on. And I would think that I would get my floor close, like better, like, you know, more level than, than most dry pack guys would. And the pricing on dry packs all over the map. I go up against some guys doing dry pack sometimes and like, sometimes they're way more expensive than me. Or a lot Sometimes cheaper. they're way cheaper and it's yeah. like, I don't even know where they end up. So I have a lot of customers who have switched from dry pack you know, they're old school builders and that was what they used. And then someone told them, hey, use this guy, call this guy. And then they say, okay, I'm going to switch to you. And then once they do it, they're like, this is the best. Like they won't, they won't go back. I agree. Like yeah. I, I've seen Carlito, you've done the whole Ardex barrel mixing. Yeah. So I got a couple barrels I mix. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just watch that and I sweat. It just, well, it seems like a I lot of work. Can I explain why I use Ardex? Sure. So a lot like you, uh, I don't have radiant floor heating on some of the houses that I go into, but I don't care what anyone says. Like nine out of 10 times, the house is out an inch and a half on a brand new build or a renovated build. Easy. I don't, I had, I had a friend called me up the other day and said, Oh, I just uh, renovated two houses. I need you to, uh, you know, just check out the floors for me and, and put a price for tiles. So I always self-level because I, I would rather put the money into self-leveler and level the floor and then allow the thin set to do its job at its thickness instead of packing it and building it up and then having an, a product that's going to fail. So I use our decks. I, I put it over uh, plywood, but I can also nail hardwood flooring through it up to three quarters of an inch. Huh? Yeah, so what happens is when I'm doing hardwood flooring and I have a lot of dips, instead of laminating plywood or stripping it and then resheathing, like, you know, redoing the joists. It won't crack that material? It will not crack. And it goes down to one-eighth. I've nailed hardwood flooring through it. I've never had a callback. And it's been years that I've been using it. 
Okay, speaking of that, we have to do a little segment here. Oh, so uh, we have building code talk with Manny. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any idea what the minimum length of fastener regarding a spiral nail and a screw is for 10 mil up to 20 mil OSB? <laughs> no. Wait Fif- a second. It's 51 millimeters. For nails and 45 for screws. That's Minimum not... length of the fastener. So if you're going through a three-quarter OSB or plywood is 25 mil, right? Three-quarter would be about 20 mil. 18 18 mil. Sorry, 19, 19 mil. mil. That's right. Yeah. So 20 mil up to 25 uh, is 57 uh, for nails and 51 for screws. And then there's a minimum head size too. 3.2. Is that both for floor and walls? That's strictly for floors. Okay. Strictly for floors, right? Staples that have to be a minimum of 1.6 mil in diameter or thickness and not less than 9.5 millimeter crown, which we know because you can buy those. You go to the store and you buy those specific ones, right? I've always gone longer than that, but I guess you don't need to go longer than that. 51 mil is what? You're the metric. It's two inch. It's two inch, right? Yeah. So generally when you do a quick drive, fasteners whatever those guys are two and a quarter right they come in two and a quarter so you're just over 51 yeah so you start getting to 57 length well i i I mean that's great those are great facts but i was always told that whatever the material is that's really all you need to go into you know the floor joists or walls so if it's three quarter you're using you only really need three quarter of anchoring but i I don't so i don't know hang on a sec backtrack that man you're anchoring this subfloor to the joists yeah you're not using a three-quarter inch fastener. No, but I'm saying like you get away with an inch and a half instead of two inches. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I wouldn't do that. But I those are do. facts. So two and a quarter. That's the minimum building code. So that was building code talk with many. <laughs> the budget on the show is just monstrous, man. Monstrous. Uh, so we're talking to Paul from Mac Constructions Inc. And that's at Mac Constructions with an S Inc. on Instagram. How is Instagram for you? You get business from Instagram or no? Ever since I did your job, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like I did a shout out for him and all of a sudden he was like texting me going, I fucking got so many followers, man. It's like, oh. but that's how it works, which is great. And that video was one of your most watched. Yeah, that time. was insane. That no was way. when Russia picked it up, when yeah. the Middle East picked it up, yeah. 500,000 views. What? Yeah, it was crazy. They went crazy for it. And that's actually how Lafarge contacted me. Well, and Did yeah. you pour that big, con- that, that was a big commercial job. That Which wasn't one? your house. No, 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 no. no it no, was no, one no. of Manny's jobs. No, no, no. This is a different uh, company. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's, that, that's somebody else. Yeah, yeah. That, that was somebody else, but that's also... That wasn't Lafarge. That's the same product. The oh, no, that, sorry. It was the same product. Yeah, yeah totally right. Product, it was yeah. the same product with Jill, yeah. So same wow. product, but two, two different groups. So it was, but... So I only had 300 followers when I started, when I did your job. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, after like, when you posted that video... By the end of that month, I went up to like over a thousand. I went up seven hundred. <laughs> That's wicked. <laughs> it was great because it was actually turned out great, man. And I, I, I mean, I don't get a ton of work off there. I probably get about, I probably get like two leads a month. It's not bad. But the rest of it is just strictly word of mouth. Word of mouth. I do. A, I just recently started doing a little bit of advertising on Google, just a little bit. Is um, it working? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I probably got. A, I started doing it in the summer. I probably got about I don't know, six jobs. So far, it that, works. It works to get your message yeah. out there, man. It totally Most works. of it's word of mouth. It's all about who you know. And, you know, you could go to the job site uh, 10 times and talk to the same people and they'll blow you off. And then as soon as their buddy says to them, 
or their tile guy or their hardwood floor guy or their rain for hey, this guy's the best. It's totally different. And then they call you. I was like, oh yeah, come on in here. You know what I mean? So I've had a lot of builders I've I tried getting, you know, to do work with over the years that just kind of blew me off or didn't give me the time of day. And then another builder or their flooring guy or whoever said to them, Hey, this guy's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then we do we do jobs with them. So but Instagram has been good. I've started to, to post more and, and do more on there. I, yeah, I, I noticed you know, that. Yeah, more stories and, and more posts. I don't even post every job. Like I, I, it's kind of some of them, they all look the same sort of. So yeah. I, I try to pick the ones that are a little bit better. And I try to stick to a schedule, just post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and yeah. do stories throughout the week. So, But it's been helpful because I'm not a web kind of guy. So like my website... It's not terrible, but it's not exactly amazing. So it's not like updated every day. <laughs> and, you know, like with Instagram, you go to a job site and say, oh, I just did a job just like this one. I can just go through my Instagram and, exactly. and say, here, look at this. And then they say, oh, and then they start following me and then that's it. So yeah. does your website actually pay off? Do you feel that it's you're getting it, a bang It will for your with buck? the Google. With the Google now, before it didn't. Yeah. Before it was just like it was just there. It was just there. Like I don't think anyone even went on to it. Now with the Google... Yeah, because, you know, we, we have some ads out there and, and people can find us. And uh, I, I, I get calls, you know, I, I mean, not as many as the last couple of weeks. With this. That's one thing I still done is the, the random calls. Yeah. I've been getting calls from my builders, but the random calls. But uh, I was getting, you know, maybe one to three calls a week. So wow. it's, it's okay. Like, it's nothing crazy. It's not yeah. like I'm like, oh, my God, like. If you want a little bit of, uh, because what we learned on our, we did a social media podcast and we were talking about Google and stuff like that, get on your website and start posting written small articles about what you do and use keywords. If you do that, it will automatically connect your website to your AdWords and you'll get more traction as a result of it. So those keywords are really critical. So just go through your business yeah. and what is involved in your business and try to think of all those keywords. So self-leveling, Lafarge, Agile Screed, all those kinds of keywords, Hilti, Level, and all this other stuff. And start, like, just do a blog. Have a blog section on your website and start adding those keywords into a paragraph about describing what you do. It will get more traction on the Google AdWords that you're buying. Okay. You'll see a bigger return for it. It does work. It just takes a lot of time because you got to sit down and do this. So I don't know who's handling the website. And now my wife's doing it. So the last summer, my, my wife came on board. So she works for the company too. Yeah. And thank God because there was a lot of paperwork and all this type of WCB. Welcome to the construction and, life. Yeah, I know. You know. Well, you're a real contractor. It's like all the all the the commercial jobs are killer with all the paperwork, safety, this safety, all this safety stuff, and all kinds of different contracts that are 25 pages so now it's amazing i just get the email i just forward <laughs> <laughs> i come home and it's like sign here sign here da, da, da. she scans it and sends it back it's like it's been we, it's we been had really a third good. party safety person on the podcast that's going to post soon and uh she actually told us that there's 25 items that every gc needs to have on a job site on as part of their safety, health and safety. Care. Yeah, I wish we would have talked a little bit 25. more about that on the on the podcast. No, but no, but I mean, I just want to like I, I I would challenge all the contractors that are listening to us that even know what twenty five what those twenty five are. They might know maybe five of those items. We know about 
notice a project and we know about where they are, you know, the health and safety, where the fire extinguisher is, you know, where the band-aids are, first aid, all that shit. You know, they never end up where they're supposed to. They I, always end up in the back of a truck or under some, par- under some materials. Moved, or- but it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny how that if you're in construction, it's not just about the work that you do. It's about the paperwork that you do, too. Oh, it's crazy. It's People crazy. People have no idea. It's insane how much. My wife is like, how the hell did you do this before? <laughs> She's like, I can't believe you did all this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just did. I'd come home like a zombie. I'd be on the computer like dozing off because invoices would get left behind because I'm like, I'll do this later. This later. I would be three weeks without sending an invoice I know. to some customers. It's been a huge help to have her help, helping us. What is the smallest job you'll do and what's the largest job you'll do? So the smallest job we'll do is any size, but we have a minimum. It's two grand. Okay. And what will that cover? So that, that, that doesn't matter if it's just a bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's... Two grand. Two grand will cover. So I need to order two cubic meters. That's the minimum order from Lafarge Inicon. Okay. An inch and a half, it's about 450 square feet, roughly. So if someone calls me and they have 300 square feet, it, it's going to be two grand. And I will work with the customer. I'll say, listen, if, and this happens quite often, if I have another job that's close to your job, I'll work with you. I'll bring the truck with me and I'll charge you less. Like I'll figure it out. But sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But it seems to work out quite often where, I do have a job close by and I can take the truck with me and I can do it for cheaper. You know, we, we want to work with the customer. And Lafarge is pretty cool about that, about yeah. moving to two different locations. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just tell them I'm taking a truck to another location. They say whatever. It's nice to have the relationships in the industry. Huh? Yeah. And the largest job, we don't generally go after the big, big jobs, the big commercial jobs, like the one that you Yeah, the 30,000 square feet, 30,000 each floor. That's small. 30,000. No, no, no. 30,000 each floor. Okay. Yeah, that's a different story. 30,000, no problem. The thing is, a big job like that would take away a lot of my time. We focus on the custom homes and... So more residential, really. And, and some commercial. Like, we definitely do a lot of commercial jobs. Uh, I have one come up in Peterborough. We live in Brampton. So... What is a commercial job to you? Is it a restaurant or a condominium? What is that? Like I just did an office space in Brampton that was attached to a steel facility. So it's just going to be offices. We have a, a hospice coming up. What else would be a commercial job? Like restaurants. And, and why do you feel that they want to have, like why would at a commercial level anyone really care about a leveled floors? So it depends on the application. So like we did a, a pretty large one last, or sorry, two years ago in Barrie and it was an office space, but it's precast. So precast floors need to be leveled and then they did radiant floor heating. So we had, we had to pour like an inch and a half to two inches kind of thing. But the, well, the precast is always a little bit more off than that. So it was probably more like an inch and a quarter to like, let's say two and a half. That would be that application. I just leveled a basketball court in a commercial space. Wow. That's interesting. How off was that basketball court? was a good inch inch and a quarter it, it was not intended to be a basketball court it was in a commercial building i'm not sure why they're putting a basketball court there but they are so they're putting a basketball court in and they brought this flooring in from denmark the special hardwood floor for the basketball court so the floor had to be good so cool man yeah so we get into this stuff is a like community that. center or something like that or no it's like a per, it's like a private office a private office with a basketball court yeah this guy was putting a basketball court in his private office <laughs> Wow. I don't know what it's I like for. this guy already. <laughs> From Denmark. And then we do like some condo work. like. Uh, in and like, why condos? 
because condos are so bad is that what it is and some people just want to have they want to glue new floors down so i i did a, a few years ago at lcbo in a condo okay and the lcbo is very strict on their floor tolerance like they they're strict on everything if you ever talk to them it doesn't sure work bottles LCBO. falling on the ground right <laughs> well they just have like it's government so they have like a long list of like this 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 so they're like this is like they were going to be renting a space from this builder who owns this building whatever so the floor had to be within certain tolerance it was a big one it was eleven thousand square feet wow nice so that was like a floor leveling i did a long goes like that i did another lcpo like that i've done a bunch of dollaramas like that where flooring i'm not working for dollarama i'm working for the like for the landlord and they got to provide them with you know everything they ask for so the floor needs to be so that everybody will always wants a brand new floor at that point or at least acceptable. Acceptable floor. Yeah, like. But you're getting what? Like when you get there, you're getting what? Scarified concrete, or you're getting broken up concrete? Or how? So the LCBO one, uh, that that big one was they had to scarify it. Really? Yeah. That was out three inches on a brand new pour. Brand new pour. Must have been on a Friday pour. In a brand new building. Brand new building. Brand new building. And it was off by three inches on eleven thousand square feet. Yeah. So um, what? Somebody was. What scarified? You have to sand. You have to sand it. You have to grind it up. Etch off. it. Etch it. Yeah, yeah. Like Scarifier like has these teeth in it, like kind of yeah. like etches at the concrete and it kind of chews it up. So, scarifying is is very aggressive, if it's done properly and it's good because the more rough, the better it is for the bond, right? So, right. shot blasting is another way. Grinding is another way, but. Sometimes the floor is just in bad enough shape where it already has that sort of profile yeah, the, to the it. Yeah, pitted so like, or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then other jobs like the Dollarama. So I did a Dollarama in Oshawa. I'm going to say it was eight years ago. And this floor was in bad shape. And it had all kinds of mastic and glue all over it. And I said to them, like, this has to be removed. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to remove it. They couldn't remove it. They didn't want to go floating them being in plastic. They're all against it because it sounds funny. It was 10,000 square feet. Yeah. And they think 10,000 square feet on plastic? This whole thing's going to be sl- floating? I said, yeah. Well, it's and not going to move. The weight's going to hold it. <laughs> I know, but they're just freaked out by it. Engineers and architects are very scared by that idea. They tried to get this mastic off, and they couldn't get it off. Like, it was a disaster. So we ended up just going floating. And they were like, wow, this is unbelievable. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. When, when I first started laying tiles 30 years ago, I used to always float my subfloors before I got into Schluter. Basically, I would take a piece of plywood, and I would not connect it to the actual joist i would just connect it to the plywood on top or i would take concrete board and i then set it down and it was always floating really important is when you're floating this and it not being connected to the bottom also means that the cracks will not mm-hmm. conduct through exactly and there's there is there some kind of thermal break involved with putting six mil in or not with six mil moisture do, disconnection of yeah, some kind moisture yeah moisture but it's really to keep it floating Okay. The flexural strength of the Julius Creed A, or Julius Creed, they call it now, is very high. So it's three to four times that of conc- regular concrete. Regular wow. concrete's at about two and a half MPA. We're coming around eight to 10. So when you're talking about that structural, you're talking about the forgiveness on a vertical plane or on a horizontal plane? On the, on the horizontal plane, it's the, it's the flexural strength. So okay. like, you know, where it's going to like break. Our standard mix would be 25 MPA compressive strength. The flexural is the key. That's a high number. So that's why we can pour on top of plastic, unreinforced. I did a job two years ago on Richmond Street downtown. It wasn't huge. It was like 3,000 square feet. It was nine inches out of level. Nine what inches. was this? One of the older loft buildings? Like an old, old building. You know, like okay. one of those older, like, yeah. kind of like 
really like with the big wood yeah. timbers. Yeah, the old school, yeah, the child labor, whatever, sweatshop yeah. buildings here in Toronto, yeah. And that was nine inches out of level. So I started with plastic. So from one inch on plastic to two inches on plastic and anything after that was insulation. And I'm putting down insulation. So you build it up as in, with insulation to, yep. so you don't have a complete nine inch thick slab. No, 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 no. No, I, my thickest heavy. would be about three inches. So the thicker the insulation, the thicker the pour. So I, as I'm getting the insulation and going thicker and thicker, I am increasing the pour. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, people couldn't believe. They it were was, like in shock. Because at nine inches, man, how big of it, like space-wise, how, how far was the opening? How far? Like, like the, oh, yeah, the length and width of it. This was uh, like two rooms and it was 3,000 square feet. So it was like a long kind of rectangle room. You would definitely feel nine inches on the floor when you're standing oh, there. It was bad. It was you really bad. You would feel like there's, it's not level. No, it, it was terrible. And the floor had like old tile and this and that. It was just wow. like, it was all over the place. And you went right over that? Oh, yeah, right over. I can go right over a, a, a carpet. Wow. This product. You can yeah. go right over carpet. Right, plastic and go right on top of carpet. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, now, can I ask, do you add aggregate after three inches or two inches? No. So it never needs this. This is all glue binders? The binder is like this recycled ash and then sand and water. That's pretty much it. Wow. So there's no aggregate. There's no fibers or mesh or anything like that at all. I'm used to like what you educated me with was I was using actual concrete and we had a lot of fiberglass hairs in yeah. it. Oh yeah. A lot of times we'd either burn them or sand them off. But now it's it's gone to a whole but other that level. Was, the, was that the first generation of a that, that was probably that's what we were used to. This is no, that, a, that's a, still that's still around. That's still around. That's so, a concrete though. So that would be like subfloors for, for a basement floors. slab. Yeah. A basement yeah. slab Got you it. could use that or for like vertical walls, you could use it. It's not treated concrete. as a self-leveler, is it? Or no, no. Okay, so it's just a concrete. It's a concrete that's a little bit more liquid than regular concrete. Got it. Okay. I've done it a couple of times. They tried to get me to do it, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not the same product. It wasn't my thing, though. No. My no. pump can't pump it, so that's one problem because it's got aggregate in it, and it's just not my deal. I just want to stick with what I'm good at and just kind of. It makes sense, man. Well, so perfect it. Just for the listeners listening, uh, I think that they need to know that. If you're going to say Centura and you're getting a tech self-leveler or you're going to Ardex and you're getting, you know, a self-leveler. Self yeah. They have three different types. Seven out of 10 bagged self-levelers, seven out of 10 that I know of, you have to use chicken wire. So for anyone listening to this podcast, they need to know that unless they're hiring you to do it and you're going to, you know, disconnect it and not have it connected to the floor, like... All the self-levelers that I use, I use a milk product to, to adhere it mm -hmm. to either the wood or to the concrete. I, I also have for my customers that can't afford the better products that I don't need chicken lath with uh, or lath wire, I have to lose, you have to use lath so that it connects to the floor. So Paul, have you, um, have you kind of done, in my opinion, doing the bags and mixing and everything and putting it all together? doesn't it's not cost effective it's not smart for me i'd rather just call him with the truck set it up and just pour it yeah well there's a difference between me and him also i will come in and do a bathroom or i'll do a kitchen or yeah. i'll do a hallway yeah i get the small like jobs. if i'm I laying just, tile but if you're doing a whole floor so if you're doing a thousand or fifteen hundred square feet on a whole floor you're gonna bag all that you're gonna chicken wire and bag all that 
uh, well, the products I use, I don't use lath. I always go to the more superior but products. That's, that's what I'm but, asking. But now that I've met Paul, I, I think that I'm just going to take that and sub it out to him. That's what I mean. It makes <laughs> more sense, right? So I don't understand why all these companies have these bags. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, Agil- Agilia was two, you know, two different products there yeah. on, in self-leveler. Because yeah. I'm one of those old school guys where uh, even though I was working the concrete, and it was helping me. I was still vibrating it in areas. I was still floating it. I was still lasering it. But your product is pretty much almost like eight out of ten self level, right? It is, but there's nothing really that's like no product no. is self leveling, and you have to use a laser. Like you, you have to. Yeah. Like in every job, I use a laser. I use multiple lasers, and I'm checking the heights like over and over and over again. We use we use old school European measuring sticks. The and wood ones? Yeah. The wood ones. I love it. Back pocket. And yep. uh, yeah, I love it. And we're talking in millimeters. We're not talking in... in it's like making a suit. Because the product has such a long shelf life, I don't have to hustle. I mean, we can go fast, but when we pour, let's say, like on the job we did with Manny, it was, yeah. it was three floors. So we pour a whole floor and then stop, and it's going to sit in the truck for hours. And That's the hose so for amazing. Hours, so I can like scoop it out with a scooper. Oh, it's high here. It's low here. And I can take my time to get it where it needs to be, as opposed to some of the other products out there that get hard quick, and they just pour it in, and it's just kind of like pour it and get the hell out of it. And there's also, I totally forgot to even ask at the very beginning, you're still testing the batch too, right, before you actually start pouring. Oh, God, yeah. Every every load. Every load. Slump test. Slump test, right? So they have a slump test even for self-leveler. They have a slump test. Everyone's used to concrete with slump tests. Well, anything coming out of Lafarge are going to do their own test anyways, right? They do it, yeah. then I do it. But I have he, to do it. Yeah. I don't care what they tell me it is when it leaves a plant. I have to check it. Yeah, because we, we've seen the tickets and a truck will leave it, say, from Hamilton at 6 in the morning and show up at our site at 12.30. And we're like, man, that's been sitting in the truck all day almost. And then we got to work hard to get it done, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Have you done anything uh, exterior-wise? Like, no. Si- no. No. You can't use the product outside, right? No, it's not meant to get wet all the time. And then I know that other people ask me that you, can, can you, you can't use it as a finished product either. It's not typically used as a finished product, although people put epoxy on it. They do? Yeah, they oh have yeah. done that, eh? Because mm-hmm. I remember yep. a lot of people asked me about that. That was two, three years ago. And I, I said I didn't know. And then I remember talking to Lafarge. They were saying it's not recommended, but I guess you can. You can. I yeah. mean... I've done a lot of jobs where people put epoxy. Uh, I have a, a rather large one coming up. Uh, I don't get involved in the epoxy, but you can definitely do it. So I guess because you can't use it outside because of UV restrictions, right? Or what? It's not meant to get wet all the time. That's the problem. Okay. So oh, you would never use it to self-level a garage then? Only a garage. So I did a, I did a garage a couple of years ago for this Italian guy with lots of big Ferrari. Lots of Ferraris? Ferraris, yeah. Yeah. Had to be. And uh, it was an oh, addition. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was an addition to his house. And he did, uh, so he did like a, it was like a commercial site. That's what it was like. 3,000, sorry, 3,500 square feet precast on the second floor and the first floor. So the upper floor we did, the in-floor heating, they put down a system like the Schluter, not, the, not Schluter, but like the Schluter. We poured that and they were like extremely happy with the work. They were going to use dry pack on the lower floor for the garage. So we ended up doing that floor too. And that was 3,500 square feet. And there was an elevator to take your car to the basement for that. Oh but that my was concrete. God. So that garage we did, but it was going to be tiled and it was all level. 
so there's no risk of it being no. exposed to water all the time. No, no. Yeah. But, but your someone, regular double car garage, no, because you'd have it. snow on it, you'd have exactly. rain on it sometimes when and it that's opens. That's the problem. Got it. Although I hear from the dr- the conf- like truck drivers all the time, this shit's amazing, because they go and they like whatever is left over, they dump it in the yard on the ground, and they're telling me that six months later it's been through the whole winter. And we're driving over it, and it's like hard as a rock. No way. Yeah. Wow. It's got to be some other reasons. I mean, I wouldn't risk it, though. I would never risk it. Yeah. A company like Lafarge is huge enough that they probably have tested it to a point where it's going to fail, and they don't want any of those failures, right? Yeah. To be on an actual job. And I would never take that risk. No, that's too much risk. It's not worth it. People are calling me all the time, begging me to do all this crazy shit. And I'm like, I'm not. Because no, they I'm think it's a bulletproof this. product, right? So once people see a bulletproof product, they go, let's just use this on everything. It doesn't work that way, man. You can't. It's perfect where it's supposed to be used. Exactly. I know that with the products I use, because I don't use such a great product that you do, a more commercial end of it, but I do use great products with no failure. I don't like going to job sites that the walls are already up. For some reason, people always call you after they've built the walls. What's your preference? The product's a little bit different, right? Because it's usually floating. I do do jobs, and of course it's amazing to go and just pour some huge open space and have the walls built on top. But technically, right, you don't want them to fasten the wall through into the subfloor below because it's connecting the floor and then it's not floating. So typically the walls are up, and we go and we pour like it's room better by to room. do it that way. That that would be the way for this product. But I, I see where you're coming from with the product you're doing. You're going bonded to the wood or bonded to the concrete. Yeah. It's a little bit better. Now, that being said, I do do a lot of jobs that are, they want to build the walls on top because it's like a really screwed up floor. And to try to put a track down on the floor, it's all over the place. So we, we level the floor and they build on top. That's what I'd rather do. Another one of my pet peeves when it comes to self-leveling is, uh, you know, contractor will say, hey, I need you to come in and level my floor. Uh, the plumber finished. And I'm like, oh, perfect. You know, I, I know he's got that ABS sticking out and I can cut it off later. And I always show up and they've already cut it and they got a drain cap and it's three inches low. Why are they, ca- why are they doing that kind of stuff? And, and what else do you run into that you wish... Uh, general contractors or homeowners would not do before they call you. Like we talked about before the stairs. Is a big yeah, one. that's a huge. Yeah, one. stairs sure. is a huge one. Like people just assume. If, let's just say it's a rain floor heating. Let's just say we're gonna say three thousand square foot house, two floors, uh, fifteen hundred square foot per floor. Let's say, and it's in floor heating. So they're saying one and a half, and they just assume one and a half, and that's the killer. I wish they would call me first so I could go see the job. And say to them, okay, at the stairs, make sure you tell the stair guy two inches. Who is this? Is this the GC or is this the homeowner? It depends. That's I, pulling I do the trigger. Of, I do a lot of work with both. So you work with both, right? I could yeah. see the fault being on the homeowner because they wouldn't understand the calculations behind you self-leveling an entire floor starting from one end and you have to get to the other end and it's going to compromise that size that is in the middle where the stairs generally are. Yeah. But with the GC, they should know better on that. But where are they getting the inch and a half from in the first place? It's sort of like the standard in the industry. That's the standard thickness. Thickness. Yeah. Really, eh? That's the standard thickness that we that most myself or my competitors would pour on rain for heating would be inch and a half. Okay. But look and at it this way. If the house is off by an inch and you need a minimum inch and a half, he's got to put a minimum inch and a half. 
where it's on one side and then by the time it gets to the other side so then I, it won't be inch and a half at certain well I, I really want to talk about the project you did that i was working at that was off a little bit too right so, no but like how much difference of subfloor did you use like that was an existing home so did you have to knock out the floor joists and lower them no and so what, the how build how much did it build up from the all floor? the floor joists were sistered and because they were all sagging in the middle, so they were all sistered with new plywood down, right? And then we tried to get as straight from the front to the back, but even when Paul got on there, it was still off a tiny no, bit. No, but with all your material, with the Schluter, the No, so the you felt. basically had a three-quarter ply, T and G. You had the, uh, the Sono Pro on it. Mm -hmm. Then you had the Schluter on top of it. The Schluter Becotech is an inch and five-eighths, I think. I can't remember. Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember exactly. I think it's an inch and five-eighths But thick. you're talking about another inch and a half of self-leveler on top. No. No, okay. that's where the Schluter product comes in. You needed a minimum of 10 mil on top yeah. of the highest point of the pucks of the foam. So yes. 10 mil was is basically just half, half an inch. An inch. Yeah, yeah okay. basically three, that's three the minimum. So three, and, it's three eighths? Yeah. 10 so, mil is three eighths. So, uh, over, so if I can get this right, if, if it's over Schluter, you only need three eighths to be Minimum, on top. but there was some spots that were a little thicker because yeah. we had to make it perfect, right? Okay, so without the Schluter system, what would you have to have over radiant flooring? Usually we're pouring inch and a half, which okay, is 25 Okay, so that's standard. Mil. So our floor was a little thicker, but we're doing it to reduce the weight of the floor mm -hmm. and to give you some R value, but also to give you more uncoupling capabilities. Okay. Because that Becotec is a Detra product. So what did you do about the staircases and the front door? Because when I, they when I measured walked to that or house, ordered until after he was done. Dude, because when I came to your project, I did not even know that that's how much floor was built up. Yeah, it, it was, was perfect. It felt comfortable. You did a great job, by the way. Um, and, you know, I walked on that every single day. I was pounding on that floor. Well, there was I a was week dropping or two. tools on that floor. There was a week or two before Paul did the job where it was a pain in the ass because we had that little step up. So I put, a, I built up what we thought because you came by and measured everything and we thought it was going to be in around here. So I had a little step up. So every time you walked up the stairs, you had to step up to get to that point, right? Because we already knew where we were going to be. And then you did the staircase afterwards. Yeah. And that's what really and that's changed what worked that out perfectly. project. So, yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. Some of the high-end jobs, I, I shouldn't even say high-end, but some of the builders, they work with a finished floor mark. Yeah. And that's the proper way to do it. Okay. They got a finished floor mark, and this is for every trade. This is for everybody. You're working off this mark. It's one meter down from this mark or whatever the hell it is to the finished floor so that everyone knows this is it, and we're all working off the same mark. I wish that more builders would do that because then I show up to the job, and this is it. It's easy to quote. I go to that finished floor. I go to that mark and I adjust what I need to do and I figure out what I need. Some builders, or I'd say a lot of builders don't do that and they just say, and I say, what's the height? And they say inch and a half. And yeah, I no, say, it's just stuck in their head. And I say, okay, well, is there a certain spot needs to be inch and a half? Like, is there a crucial spot? Did you order the staircase yet? And they say, no. And I say, okay, good. And then I check the windows. So if the modern homes have the floor ceiling windows, you know, sometimes the flooring has to hit the, the window in a certain spot. Then I got to check all the windows to make sure the windows are installed level. That would be my biggest thing is getting me in early. Like if the contractor or the build, the homeowner could get me in early to check the floor, like I talked about before, it's, it's crucial. It's not crucial, but I mean, on some jobs it is. You don't have a problem getting in there early just to go take a look. Yeah. Set up your laser takes seconds to do it and then just check it. 
just check it and then you know what you're up for or when you get there on the job site, right? To I'll drive it. all the way to Huntsville to do that. Yeah, okay. that's that's what's amazing. A lot of guys won't do that. That's why when Paul first told me that some guys don't even use lasers when they're pouring it. You know what? I'm, I, like I'm not that. even at that's your level. That's a recipe, man. I'm not, I'm not even at your level. I take levels to the walls. I always spin the laser. People are always like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I just got it. You're not even at his level. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, speaking of that, no, speaking of that, we have to do our final segment. Oh, it's Green Book Talk. Yes, there we go. <laughs> and that's our budget. It's, it's so in, intense. Because <laughs> we got to wrap it up soon. So section 2281A, employer failing to mark gas or electrical or other services before excavating. What is the fine? What is the first, for first offense fine for that? I don't even know that one. I'm going to guess 550. I was going to say 500. No. I thought you were going to go 501. 250? Uh, no, it's 650 for your, fir- for your first offense. So that's if you enough. don't mark the gas. If you don't mark the gas. So, so you, you don't do your locates. Yeah. So if you don't do call before you dig or your locates, anything happens, you, you know, you're fully responsible for it. But your first fine your first fine as a, a general contractor is $650 and, and then starting to climb, right? That's Which could perfect. go to $100,000. We all know that. That was? Uh, that was Green Book Talk. <laughs> 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 now, now, is it something that you need to also do? Do you need to know where all those things are when you're working? I guess not. You, you don't need to worry about any of those kind of things, right? Like you're talking about the gas line? No, you know, yeah. Just, just any, any electrical or any plumbing. Any protrusions, you're taping around them. Yeah, anything that's sticking through the floor, we're dealing with it. Toilet flanges, pipes. It's mostly toilet flanges, floor boxes for electrical, sometimes yep. some gas lines. Have I'm you, just wrapping it up, taping it up. Have you ever had any horrible nightmare stories where it cracked open and it went down to a basement or filled in, uh, filled a duck or something? No, I'm uh, missing I've a, a hole I've had or a few stories. I just had, we just did a, a small basement. It was a few weeks ago. You know, we tape, we, we tape the shit of like all these spots, especially crucial spots, right? And there's a sump pump there and. I don't know what happened. Somehow it started going no. through through the tape. Oh my god. Into the sump pump. And pumped it outside. No, no, no. Oh. It, was, it, was, it wasn't operational yet. It was just in the ground. Just a pit. It was just a pit. Yeah. You know? So like it was a pit. I jumped into it and I was scooping it out because it was going up. It was probably about six inches up. It was a lot. Oh wow. It was a bad leak and we were trying to fix it. So we fixed it. We got it. I got as much as I could out of there. And I just called the builder and said, listen, this is what happened. And I'll be here. To, like, not Chip tomorrow. It I, I said, I'll come here on Sunday. It was a Friday. I'll come on Sunday. I jumped in the pit and well, I, I just kind of lied on my stomach and hit it and broke it up and then just cleaned it up with water. And that was it. It was done. I mean, stuff happens. It, it made just, more sense just, just to let it dry and then just break oh, it up from there. Because yeah. I, there's no way for me to get all out. It was wet, it was wet right? And yeah, I couldn't yeah. get down on my knees or anything. To get it. To get yeah. it. So once it was hard and I could lie on the floor or like get down on my hands and knees and yeah, I mean, you're dealing with such a fluid product right so it will yeah. find yeah, the hole that's funny I got that one <laughs> 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 who is wasting your time and how do you know when people are wasting your time when you're quoting the Google ones <laughs> the really ones off Google because those ones don't know me right and they're generally calling around to every single person that they can find on Google they're trying to get like six seven prices a lot of my work is referral and, and, and repeat. I, we have a really high success rate. I would say I, I probably get 75% of the jobs I quote. 
The ones I don't get could be because I'm up against some, a cheaper product and they're a little bit cheaper and it's the people are trying to talk me down and get me to go down with the price. In general, it's the people that call me off of Google that don't know anything about me. They just found me off there. Those are the ones, like, I can, I can definitely, I track my leads and I track which jobs I get. I can definitely see those. I get a lot less jobs from those people on the Google. They're wow. just price shopping. That's all they're, they're doing. Just price shopping. And they don't have someone telling them this guy is the, like, use this guy. Like, you know, when, when, when someone gives you that, that type of referral, like, we have a lot of flooring companies that we work with. We don't work with them, but they want to work on our floors. So when that flooring company already <laughs> has like a relationship that. and says to the guy, I want to work on this guy's floor. Like yep. you have to use this guy for this job. And then, you know, maybe I'm 30 cents more per square foot. That 30 cents more per square foot doesn't really make a difference to that guy because he knows that we're legit, right? The Google ones know anything about us besides what we tell. And everyone's saying the same stuff, right? They're all saying, yeah, I'm the best and blah, blah, blah. So, well, I guess that's the, so what is making the price cheaper for the, the guys that are doing jobs cheaper? It's different product. Different product. Yeah. And we all know that Lafarge Agile Screed is a, it's a superior product, but mm -hmm. it's a superior product for a reason, man. 100%. So, I mean, I, I didn't have any I love all it. the Lafarge products. Yeah, so. they're great products. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you something. You don't have to answer it. I, I always say that there is no set price in anything in construction. It's all about the way you run things, the tools you have, the guys that you have working for you. What is a square footage approximate price for you to come in and without radiant heat just to come in and level per inch that's a hard one to answer uh oh per inch yeah what's an average not holding you on anything or anyone holding it but just kind of an average if someone's listening and they want to kind of calculate their basements out so they can give you some more a basement is tough because it could be from you know one inch to three inch to four inch I guess it's volume, right? You got to, there's a, well, that's why variable. I asked one inch. I know, of, but right? you, okay. So, but if you're self leveling a basement, you're not just going to put one inch over the whole thing. There's a reason why you're self leveling it. So it could be off by an inch and a half. And now you've got to add two inches or something yeah. like that. True. So uh, it's but not, for, not uh, someone like me, I could go in there with my laser and I would know, okay, I'm out, you know, I would, even if I'm a down an eighth in this area, I'll still charge for one inch and that will give me my rough price to go in and price the job. Basements are tough. I never give a per, per square foot price on a basement over the phone. But let's just say it's like a main floor of a house, inch and a half. Like somebody called me for a rain for heating job, a couple thousand square feet. We're going to be anywhere from 290 to 330 per square foot. Finished. That's an inch and a half. That's installed. That's a plastic. That's the product installed. That's the sanding. That's and you done. would do the same process in a basement? Basements vary. Okay. Basins vary. So like if it's a, if it's a floor leveling base, like a, like a job we did this week, they left it low and they left it rough. Right. So we went bonded. So it, it, it's a little bit, and it, you know, it was only like the, the floor was actually pretty good. It wasn't terrible. It was up and down, maybe about an inch and a quarter, which is not that bad. We just showed up there, sprayed a primer, and then we poured. But some other basements I show up and they're like five inches at a level. So I need a lot of insulation. I'm going on plastic because there's all kinds of glue and mastic and there's old ceramic tiles, paint. You can't really go bond to that stuff. So that's, you, that's, you different. have to float. I got to be floated there. And the minimum on that is an inch and a half. No, one inch, one inch. Okay. One inch, that's yeah. good to know. 
So there's a few variables, right? Well, so if anybody's the only reason is because I'm going to be hiring ball for a well, lot of my projects. I know. So I'm just saying that's the reason why. So you just each project's unique. You just got to figure out what you need and then go from there. Yeah. Just for the youngsters or people entering this business, are you looking for new employees? When we do hire, we try to hire someone that has no experience. I know that sounds crazy. No, it doesn't. It. No, it doesn't. Sponge. I don't want some guy that did concrete to come in and be like, oh, this is how I do this. It's like that. They think they know everything and it's totally different. It's like a totally separate trade. So, I mean, I want someone that's got some work experience. Like they're not scared to get dirty, but I don't want someone that's going to have the experience doing similar products. Like I'll say concrete because they just think, well, this is how to do concrete and they have yeah. their own methods yeah. and we have very specific ways on the way we do it. And we want to treat like we want to teach someone like on how to like you know how to, how to do it our way. That's right. So like we have this new kid. He's he's Irish and he's really good. He's picking it up quick. Irish love concrete. And you know what? He he uh, he comes to work every day. He works hard. And he's he young. comes like, to work every day. Oh, that's, that makes a huge difference, <laughs> man. That's half the battle, man. <laughs> that's half the battle, honestly. I, that's what we hear. I know. I get it, man. Everybody wants to be a rock star. They all want. To, they all want your job, right away, right? They don't want to do all the grunt work. No. They, they don't want to work their way up to the ladder. No. Nope. And I think that's why I have success in this too, because I came out of the plumbing industry. No experience in this at all. Never did concrete, so I didn't come in with some sort of predetermined. This is how it should be done and whatever. No experience. I was taught on how to do it from these guys. And that's, you know, that's and you just took it and you built it from there. Yeah, I took what they taught me and I, I've changed it. I've, I've definitely used a laser a lot more than they used to. But yeah. the laser is the key. Uh, the laser has to be used on every job and every spot because I see a lot of guys online. They use like these pins and they put them in the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't get that. It's a nice guide. Yeah. It's well, a great guide. you could do it for form. Like if you're doing like, I, I used to put nails in the wall. So I'd take a level and I would, or a laser and I'd put nails. That way when I am floating and I don't want to have something in my hand, I know that I have to get to that mark. One more thing. So like, let's just say, for example, when you put those nails or screws in the floor, on a wood floor, not talking about a basement, you'd be surprised how much the floor sinks in the middle of the room. From the weight? From the weight. Wow. Even How much are we talking about? I've seen sometimes at least a quarter. See, that's why... I, so structurally, I, does that mean you need an engineer or architect? I then? had a lot of conversations with the engineer about this. That's why we, we were... I had to get the specifications from Ajili Screed. I had to get the specifications from the Becotech. Brilliant. I had to get all these specifications because somebody had to sign off on what the weight was going to be when this was done. But even on jobs where it's, it's specced in... It's still, it still shifts, eh? It still shifts. So I have the laser in the middle, okay? And I'm making my marks on points <laughs> that aren't going to go down. So I'm talking about like steel columns or outside walls that are sitting on foundation. Yeah. And then the laser's in the middle. And as I get by the laser, I pour that spot. I look at the mark and it's lower. So if I have those pins that are on the floor. They're lower. They're sinking. Yeah. So I, I, I don't wow. do anything Brilliant. like that. Lasers, lasers. Great, great tip. I love that, Paul, you talked a lot about the laser. And that, that's, that's key, I think. I think it's absolutely key. Yeah, and it was Hilti. I get it. It was Hilti. Lasers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Thank you very much, man. Really appreciate it. I think we covered a lot here. Well, we covered a lot. Uh, so that's, uh, that's Paul. You can find him at Mac Constructions Inc. on Instagram and then www.macconstructionsinc.com. 
A boom, boom, boom. Thank you very much, Paul, for coming Thank in. You. I Thank know it's kind of like a last boom, minute, but we really want to talk about you. Like, talk about you. We really want to talk with you about self-leveling because I really want to see more clients actually do this, man. I want it. Uh, and, and then I'm glad that you've grown so well in the last few years, man, which is great. Get us out of here, Carlito. 416 TO, baby, and I love our budget. A boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>